0: Welcome to episode 156 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to get over the fact that your friend put their meeple in the only spot that would have been beneficial for you and now you're just staring at a sea of bad options and what in the world are you going to do? (laughs) Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we are talking about worker placement games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently like Scooby-Doo, Escape from the Haunted Mansion and Planet Unknown. Then, we share our top five worker placement games. And now, here are your hosts, Camby and Crystal.
1: Before we get into the episode, I wanted to mention that we have a contest going on right now over on our YouTube channel. Yeah, we have a YouTube channel, in case you didn't know. It's at youtube.com boardgameblitz. And the six-year anniversary of that channel was on April 24th. Our podcast anniversary is also coming up next episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah, very, very soon. (laughs) Yeah,
1: but I remembered earlier than the anniversary date this year. And so I made a video to celebrate and where I'm having a contest and giving away... A box of fun stuff that is unknown right now. So you can go head over to that video. I'll link it in the show notes to figure out how to enter the contest. It's a mystery. Yeah, the prize is also a mystery. Recently, I got to play Scooby-Doo Escape from the Haunted Mansion, which is a escape room type story game that was published in 2020, designed by Jay Cormier and Senfoon Lim published by The Op. And we we mentioned this a couple of episodes ago, actually. Crystal had played it, and then I said that I hadn't played it yet, but now I've played it, so. Yay! This is in the Coded Chronicles series of games. They have a couple of other ones, but Scooby-Doo was the first one. And the way this works is there's different characters and different rooms that you're exploring in a mansion and you're moving around. It's fully cooperative and you don't each control one character, you like control all of them together and make decisions together. And each character also has a book with a lot of passages in it that you read. So characters can interact with different things in the room. The rooms have numbers on them on the different items, and then the characters have numbers. So you like put it next to the number, and then it has a four-digit number, and then their book has four-digit numbers in there that you go through to read the passage, and things happen. And then there's also some puzzles. It reminded me of the adventure games. Is that what they're called? From Cosmos, which we've mentioned before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are more story-narrative-driven escape room type things I guess not not really escape rooms but like narrative driven one-time play games and this is similar but it had more puzzles I think because in addition to just like the books and the map that you're placing tiles out on there's also secret envelopes that you open at certain times and those had some puzzle things like physical puzzle components which I thought was really cool because I like doing the physical puzzle things in escape room games so I had a lot of fun with this There was a misprint in one of the books that made a puzzle difficult to solve or like kind of not work. So that was sad. And now I don't
0: remember. (laughs) I feel like we ran into something too, but now I can't. It's been so long since I played it that I don't remember.
1: So this isn't going to be a spoiler what the misprint is. So they have color shaded and non-shaded to differentiate the passages. So you stop when it changes, right? So in one of them, it, it had the switch of gray to white before the end of the passage and it was at the end of a sentence so it seemed like it could be the end of the passage so like we stopped reading but it like continued on and then said like oh then you get this thing so like we didn't read that part because it looked like it was the end of the passage so we didn't get the thing that we needed oh that didn't
0: happen that didn't happen when i played it so either we must have not realized the mistake and just read it or something
1: yeah so like i think if we had looked at it a little bit more closely then we we might have read on because like On the left side, it has like the numbers. And so the numbers line up with the start of the passage. So there wasn't a new number. So like... You could kind of do it, but like because the shading, it's it's just kind of unclear. <laughs> that was the only, I think, thing that me- that was misprinted, I think, in this game. But yeah, the game itself, it had a cool story. We don't, I, I don't know Scooby-Doo that well. And I think the people that I played it with also didn't really, maybe like one of them had watched it some, but like we weren't super into Scooby-Doo, but it was still fun and, and goofy theme. Uh, you're like going into a haunted mansion and trying to figure out who this ghost is and that's like in a Scooby Doo story. Um, yeah, that's then, like
0: classic Scooby Doo. Yeah. Is there's a bad guy <laughs> yeah. and or there there's a ghost and if you take off the ghost's mask yeah, then you reveal who it actually you do that is at the and end. that's Exactly. what, And it felt like it's interesting because I also weirdly did not really watch Scooby-Doo at all growing up, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though I'm the right age for it. It just Mm -hmm. wasn't something I ever got into. No, no shade to (laughs) Scooby-Doo. But like, I still know those tropes, right? People still talk. You're still familiar with like the (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Yes, right? Like everybody kind of knows those. And (laughs) it did feel very much like a Scooby-Doo adventure Mm -hmm. to the point where... I think one of the reasons I liked the theme so much, even though I am not a huge Scooby-Doo fan in general, is a lot of the escape room games that we've played either take themselves too seriously or kind of don't make any logical sense. Like, why would mm-hmm. you be trapped on a haunted roller coaster kind of a thing? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, it's, like, they either make no logical sense at all, or they are taking themselves way too seriously. And you're like, no, there. you need to put some lighthearted stuff in here. The Scooby-Doo theme fits with an yeah, escape true. room puzzle really well. Like the silly things that you encounter in, a, in an escape room game, like, oh, there's there happens to be eight padlocks on this door. That's not from the actual game, but just like it makes sense in this mm-hmm. context. And so in my mind, it made the theme and the game mechanics shine even more.
1: Yeah. And like the theme was very silly. There's the five characters and they each do different things. So like one of them can investigate. That was like Noma. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Yeah. Or research. And then a Shaggy eats. Eats <laughs> like, things. Does he doesn't eat things. Yeah. Scooby smells things. And <laughs> so I was like so we're like trying to eat the He's like I would
0: want to eat that but
1: I'm full now or like
0: <laughs> yeah no they had passages in there for like yeah things that you're like well wait but what happens if Scooby sniffs that like yeah. and then the book is like yeah there's nothing interesting about that so, you know kind of but it like it's funny about it yeah there was one other thing about this game that I really liked that was somewhat unique from other escape room style games that I've played mm-hmm. and that was the puzzles that you encounter come in these little envelopes mm-hmm. and then when you finish with a puzzle, it specifically tells tells you how to put it away Mm -hmm. right that instant. Which For somebody like me, when I finish an escape room game, even if it is technically replayable and you can reset it, by the time I'm done playing the game, I don't want to reset it. My brain is like, (laughs) I'm done with this. Put it all in the box. I don't want to deal with it. And in this game, it was very much like, okay, now put all of these things back into envelope number three. And I did those things. And I was like, oh, now I can easily pass this game on to somebody else. And I don't feel Mm -hmm. like it, it, it doesn't feel like as much work to me
1: yeah like i was already like keeping track trying to keep track of that during the game because i like you doing that during the game usually and then it told me i'm like oh cool i'm like i wonder if it does this for all of them and it
0: did so that was yeah this it feels like it was really thoughtfully created in that regard Mm -hmm. and i actually own one of the other coded chronicles games i own Mm -hmm. the one that's about the shining although i've heard that that (laughs) That this one is not good ratings on bg yeah there might be more
1: misprints in it or something i'm not sure
0: I, ever since I heard that, I've been afraid to pull it off the shelf. I bought it secondhand from somebody yeah. here in Vegas, so I didn't pay full plurette price. But And then the third one is the Goonies, which yeah, I, that, I don't that one know. Has that has better ratings. Better ratings? Um, okay, yeah. yeah. And I, I definitely <laughs> I want to try that one at some mm-hmm. point, too. But at some point, who knows? Maybe I should stream the Shining one. So even if it's bad, like we can at least make fun of it on stream or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was Scooby-Doo Escape from the Haunted Mansion.
0: I recently had some friends over to play games in real life, which I've been doing, you know, not a whole lot during the pandemic, but had some friends come over and my buddy, Greg, brought over a game that I had not heard of at all, not one tiny bit, and that was Planet Unknown, uh, designed by Ryan Lambert and Adam Rayberg, published by Adams Apple Games, LLC, which I believe is a new company. I think this is their first published game. I probably should have checked that, but I believe they're fairly new. Planet Unknown is a space-themed game where every player has a planet in front of them on their own player board that they need to colonize using polyomino tiles. Polyominoes are similar to like Tetris style tiles, but they don't necessarily have four blocks in them. Tetris is four. Polyomino means any number of. So some of the tiles are smaller or larger. And what's really cool about this game is you are drafting tiles from a lazy Susan, an actual spinning lazy Susan that comes in the game. And all of the players draft tiles simultaneously. So all of the actions in this game are taken simultaneously, which makes the game feel really interactive and move really quickly and every round the active player gets to spin the lazy susan however they want and then based on where your little player thing is pointing you get two options between which tile you can take from the lazy susan so the active player gets to choose exactly what they want everyone else potentially gets stuck with something but you always have two options in front of you unless one of the wells in the lazy susan has run out and what's really cool is The tiles are made up of a bunch of different colors that relate to different tracks on your other player board, and you get to increase those tracks every time you play a tile that contains that color. So, for instance, you could go up on the Civilization track if you play something with black on it, or you go up on the Water track if you play something with blue on it. There's five tracks in total. You're always moving up at least two of them each turn, generally, generally. And as you move up those tracks, they give you uh, cool abilities or victory points or the ability to move up another cube on a different track. On top of all of that, there are two different ways you can kind of play the game in general. And that is each board, there is a side of every player board that is the same planet and the same tracks. And then if you flip them over, you there are also asymmetrical planets and asymmetrical player tracks that work differently. Like the numbers go up differently or the abilities are different. And the tech abilities for each planet on those sides are different as well. It is fascinating how unique some of those different planets appear to be, and yet how balanced they seem to actually play out as. I really, really dig this game. It, I mean, I like polyomino games. I've mentioned that a number of times in the past. And this one, there's a lot of stuff going on, but it's still really relatively simple mechanically like you place a tile you move your little cube up the tracks and then you do the things based on where your cubes ended up on the tracks and your the things are relatively simple like moving your rovers around on your planet to pick up life pods or destroy meteorites or gaining new tech um or picking up c- cards that'll give you victory points at the end of the game i really i want to play this again greg i know you listen to the podcast you should bring it over again soon uh <laughs> <laughs> because this one, honestly, was super fun. I'm, I am think it just delivered from Kickstarter. I don't know if it's coming to retail, but I might honestly have to get myself a copy of this one. It is... Quite fun, and I haven't heard a lot about it yet. So, I guess probably if it did just ship from Kickstarter, that might explain why. But I imagine that this is one that, as people discover it, is going to gain even more popularity. Polyomino games tend to be pretty popular, and this one seems to be one of the better, I would say, on the like medium to leaning toward heavy side of polyomino games. So, I would highly recommend it if that is a genre of game you enjoy. Uh, Yeah, so that's Planet Unknown.
1: I was thinking it might not be known because of the
0: title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, it should, they should have called it Planet Known, and then everybody yeah. would be aware of its existence. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what we haven't done in a while, EMB? A top five list. Yeah! <laughs> yes, I and everybody an loves lists. And you know what else I love? What? <laughs> worker placement oh, games oh, yes. <laughs> There's a lot of ways you can categorize tabletop games mm-hmm. and I would say for me I have found generally I really tend to enjoy a lot of worker placement games that it, it, it tends to be a genre of game and a mechanism that is very mm-hmm. satisfying for me is it one that you tend to gravitate toward
1: Yeah, I think I do too for the games that I play that involve worker placement, I like them. I don't seek them out usually, but I think I tend to enjoy them. And we should probably explain what it is. It's hard to define <laughs> these types of games and when i like sl- clicked worker placement on board game heap, there are some that i didn't feel were super worker placement like but for me uh worker placement involves when you want to do an action you place your pieces which are called workers down onto the board to do an action and they usually block other people's putting workers there in some way or like it's a shared action board with shared actions and you like take turns putting workers on there and taking those actions.
0: I'm actually looking at the BGG listing for like the definition Mm -hmm. of worker placement. Uh And I would say that BGG kind of agrees with you, although they don't say it exactly that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to read this whole thing. I'm going to kind of paraphrase and skip around, but it describes it as a stylized form of action drafting where players Mm -hmm. are placing tokens to trigger an action from a set of actions that are available to all players Generally, one at a time and in turn order. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to skip down. It says there is usually a limit on the number of times a single action can be taken. And there was an Mm. asterisk next to the word usually that leads down to a passage that says the use of the word usually in this context is a somewhat controversial point of discussion. (laughs) For purposes of BGG classification, action blocking is a defining element of worker placement. In that case, there must always be a limit on the number of times a single action can be drafted each round. What's Mm. interesting about that, though, is based on that definition, there are technically games classified as worker placement on Board Game Geek that would not qualify. Uh, But I I I get like, there has to be wiggle room, right? Yeah.
1: And then for me also, I think there are some on Board Game Geek where it's like just worker placement among your own things. Like everyone has the same actions available, but like each person can do the, the one action one time. So you're not blocking other people. And I don't think of that as worker placement as much. So like Arkwright was on board game geek as worker placement but in Arkwright right you have your own column of of actions that you're choosing from so like everyone can do like the same action on a turn so i picked games where most of the actions are like limited among all the players not just like one per player or something
0: yeah, so, yeah. and for my games i try i generally picked things where worker placement is the primary mechanism of the game or the, the mm-hmm. biggest kind of mechanism of the game. Because I there are some games that I own that I really like that do involve small amounts of worker placement, but not to the degree that the ones on my list do. Mm-hmm. And anytime we do a list like this, I kind of, when I'm going to rank things, I try and figure out, you know, why do I like worker placement games? Like, what is it about a worker placement game that I enjoy? And for me, when things are abstracted in games, my brain has a harder time. I'm kind of figuring out what to do. If things mm-hmm. are just nebulous or just like a like a list in the rule book of all the actions you can take, but you know there's nothing in front of me, and so I just kind of have to like think about it, whereas with worker placement games generally, I can look at the board and I can mm-hmm. see what's available. It's more concrete it's easier for me to like see it and especially if other people have taken actions that block spaces then it limits the number of things i have to choose from which makes the decision making potentially easier as well and so i think that might be why i like these games so much but i'm not sure
1: yeah i like the the tension in like when should i try to take that action because i yeah. want to take it before someone else does <laughs> And then also, I think a lot of them tend to be kind of thematic, like the workers are going out and doing the things, so they're busy doing that thing, and you can only do so much with each worker, like, so I think, like, they tend to be slightly thematic sometimes.
0: (laughs) I would agree. I think there are some really thematic worker placement games. So why don't we talk about some of our favorites?
1: All right. So my number five is Bus, which I've actually only played once. So Bus is a splatter game. Splatter is a company that makes like heavy interaction games. And Bus is a game where you're planning bus routes and like picking up and delivering passengers on a shared board. But the worker placement, so... You each have these workers and they're limited for the whole game. So you have like a set pool of workers and then each round you're placing them on these action spots. And there's actually a lot of spots for the actions, but like the order that you place them matters. So whoever places first is going to be really good for that action and the other ones might not get as much. Um, or there's like only one or two things for, for that space that's actually available. So only two people will actually be able to... I mean, like you can place more people there, but you're not going to be able to do anything. So um it's very tense trying to figure out all the actions that you need to do because you need actions for everything, for building your routes, for like moving the passengers, for getting new passengers and stuff. Like everything needs an action and then you need to use them all and you want to go first on everything, but you can't. <laughs> and then also an action for taking the first player marker, which happens in a lot of worker placement games too, I think.
0: Yeah, um, that's, that's definitely true.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so bus is my number five because I've only played it once, but I really liked it. So it it might move up on this list if I played it more.
0: I have something kind of similar for my number five in that technically I have never played the physical version of this game. I downloaded the app And the app is a faithful recreation of the board game. And that is Raiders of the North Sea. This is one that I had heard talked about, you know, for years now as a really good worker placement game. And Mm -hmm. I had just never gotten a chance to try it. So I downloaded the app and I've been playing through the campaign in the app. And yeah, like it like gives you different goals for each like scenario of the campaign. It's still the same game with the same board, but like mm-hmm. you have specific things you're trying to accomplish or things will score differently in the campaign. The neat thing about Raiders of the North Sea is you have one worker at all times. And what you mm-hmm. do on your turn is you place that worker into a spot and do that action. And then you pick up another worker from the board and you do the action of where it was located. And so there's mm-hmm. this interesting back and forth because if somebody else doesn't go to a spot that you want and like there's two things you want to do but they're both empty at the beginning of your turn you will not be able Mm -hmm. to do both of them and so there is a little bit of kind of like metagaming trying to predict what the other players might do or go to and what you want to do there's also the workers come in different types different colors and some of them can do certain things but not others and so When you're picking up a worker, you're like, okay, this is a black one or a white one that can't go to that spot. So maybe I should pick up this other one instead. There's a lot of interesting strategy in that mechanism and it makes Mm -hmm. it feel different than other worker placement games I've played. So I really actually would love to try the physical version of this (laughs) game at some point, but I've been playing it a lot in the app. And so it felt like it was uh, worthy of my number five Mm -hmm. spot. That is Raiders of the North Sea.
1: Yeah, I played that once when it came out and it was really interesting. And like, I don't know of any of their worker placement games where the workers are shared because a lot of times you have your own workers, right? Yeah. So that's interesting because you don't want to put down a worker that so someone else is going to use it and it's like no I, okay i
0: don't want to go there anymore <laughs> right you're like oh well that one is going to give him a really good action yeah. or whatever
1: all right my number four is actually a cooperative worker placement game so when i was originally thinking of this list i didn't think of cooperative games but then i looked on the bgg worker placement things and i saw some and i'm like oh yeah that is worker placement um and i love cooperative games so my number four is kitchen rush which is a real-time cooperative game where the workers are hourglasses <laughs> so you know i love real time cooperative games uh, and this is a very hectic one the theme is you're like in a restaurant making food and trying to serve all these customers so like your workers are hourgl- hourglasses and you have to go on, on the different spaces like the oven you have to get pantry food you go to the store and you put the hourglass on the space and then when it runs out you can put it onto another onto a different space and flip it over so that's like thematic because They're the the people rushing around the kitchen trying to do all the food stuff and then it takes time for them to cook and stuff. So it's still blocking spaces because like there's only four oven spaces and so everyone's trying to cook at the same time. Then that gets blocked and we just have to wait for the other person to finish and and, uh, it's very hectic. So yeah, Kitchen Rush is a very unique work replacement game.
0: My number four is one that you all have heard me talk about over the years many times, and that is Champions of Midgard, specifically with its two expansions. And I do have to make that clarification. And I also want to specifically say that Champions of Midgard is published by our sponsor, Gray Fox Games. No favoritism here. I've loved Champions since before they sponsored the podcast. But you do, to make this game really shine, you do need the two expansions. So that way, because I actually, this one is in Alpha on Board Game Arena, and I tried playing it and it's just the base game and I was just like, this is awful. <laughs> like, I just, because I'm so, I'd only played it with the expansions. I'd never played it without oh. and like when you send people into battle and they die and you get nothing as a result of that, that's really disappointing and with the expansions, mm. even if your warrior, your dice die in combat, you get these little tokens that you can spend for things and so mm. it doesn't feel quite as depressing. I, for the record, the game, the base game's not awful but like, <laughs> In comparison, it paled. Oh, okay. But Champions of Midgard, with its expansions, is one of the best worker placement games for me personally. It is super fun, and it is very tense, kind of as you were saying about like, okay, should I go to that spot now? I need food, mm-hmm. but I think they're going to go get food. But if I go there, then they're going to go fight the troll, and I want to fight the troll. So it's there's a lot of interesting decision-making there, and lots of cool things you can do, and it does feel pretty thematic as far as worker placement games go with all the neat stuff you can do. So... That's why Champions of Midgard with its expansions is my number four.
1: My number three is Kanban. So there's a new version called Kanban EV, but I haven't played that one. So this is the old version. (laughs) Kanban is designed by Vital Lacerda. It's my favorite Lacerda game and the first one that I ever played. But the theme is that you're a manager in a car factory and you're like trying to manage your time well amongst all of the different areas of the car factory and you have to do a bunch of different things like you get designs, you have to test drive cars there, there's like a bunch of different things you have to do and you have to like get certified in different areas. If you ever like played or heard of other Lucerrada games, there's always like a lot of steps you have to do to get something done and it's similar like that and there's two different ways of scoring so it's pretty complicated but the worker placement part you you have one worker it's worker placement with one worker so like you are the worker. thematically moving around to the different sections and then there's different spaces in each section that are like the one that goes first but it has less time and then the one that goes second but it has more time and like the time is how many actions in that area you can take kind of because each action takes some time so like if you really want to get like the thing in that area that's first then you have to go in the first one but you can do, do fewer things there but then if you don't care as much then you can take the second one because like You're worried about other people taking the thing that you really want. So there's that. But then also like you stay there and then you can't take that same action again because you move to a different department each turn. So like there's blocking of yourself because you can't you can't go in the same spot again. But also like you're blocking other people because when you move, the other people are still on the spot that they were. So like you can't go where someone has been, like everyone's just staying on the board the whole time, which is kind of interesting. So it's like lots of planning ahead and then also for for like your own path because you have to do a lot of steps, but then also seeing what other people need to do and when spots will be open. So if you're really into that planning ahead and stuff, Kanban is a great worker placement game with one worker.
0: My number three is Pursuit of Happiness. This one's from Artipia Games and it is a worker placement game that I've loved for many years. I own every single expansion that has come out for this game Technically, the last couple of expansions haven't shipped yet. I did back the big box on Kickstarter, even though I've said on this very podcast that I should stop buying big boxes. Uh, But in this instance, specifically, I have added in all the previous expansions and I can teach it with those expansions. So I am hopeful that I will continue to play it after the big box arrives. We will find out. But Pursuit of Happiness is basically... The gamery gamers version of life, basically, because you are setting out to build a life. You are a person who can pick up hobbies and a job and a partner in whatever combinations you want. And then the expansions adding cool things like a community board and experiences. And you literally are scoring points based on all of the things you do throughout your life. And your workers are time Uh, They actually are wooden hourglasses. They're not real hourglasses. They don't tick down anything. But you get a certain amount of time at the beginning of the game. And then as the game progresses, you move up on a track that reduces the amount of workers you have because you're getting older. And then eventually you die. That is how the game ends is when everyone is dead. And that is a little bit dark, but thematic it makes sense and sometimes you can get some really cool stuff done in that last phase when you're elderly and you only have a couple of workers (laughs) left but like you can get some neat stuff done if you plan it out right you just got to live a healthy life early on to make sure you make it to your elderly years And it feels incredibly thematic, more Mm -hmm. so than you would imagine for a game with basically just cards, a board, and some wooden hourglasses. But I always have such a good time with this one, talking about how, oh yeah, I'm a computer programmer who's dating a girl named Eva, and we like to go skateboarding on the weekends and like kind of just making a little narrative out of the cards that are in front of me. Uh, And I got to teach this game to you, Ambie, a number Mm -hmm. of years ago at BlitzCon.
1: Yeah, it was a fun game. I've only played it that one time, but yeah, I liked it.
0: Yeah, I really like it. And I'm excited for the new stuff that will be coming from their most recent Kickstarter. That is Pursuit of Happiness. My number three. My
1: number two is another cooperative worker placement game, and that is Robinson Crusoe. Uh, I actually don't own this game. I only played my friend's copy. And I also haven't read the rules, so like... I heard the rule book is really bad so
0: um, <laughs> is it fun to have played a game a whole bunch of times that you've never read the rule book yeah. before yeah. I do that all the time
1: <laughs> but uh, Robin's Crusoe is a cooperative game where you're there's different scenarios in the game so like they have different objectives each time but you're trying to survive on an island most of the time and like have different objectives but there's different things you can do you each have two workers and you can work with other people so like when you go to different actions to do different things like you can build things or you can go hunt or you can try gathering or exploring or something. But you can go with one worker and then it'll be risky and you roll dice and like bad things can happen. Or you can go with two workers and then it will be successful oh yeah and like when it's risky it might not be successful or you can do with two workers and guarantee success and like bad things won't happen but like you always feel like you need to do a bunch of stuff because you need to get food you need to get enough food to feed everyone and not die and then you also have like other objectives that you're trying to do you have to build stuff build shelter and so yeah what like living on a deserted
0: island is, <laughs> yeah. is hard what yeah i so, don't like, believe you
1: don't, it you don't have enough workers to play it safe and do two workers for everything you want to do so you have to like decide okay for this one like we really need to do this so we're going to double up the Workers here, but then like this one we can risk it and then spread out over here and then trust the dice. <laughs> so um that feels pretty thematic because it yeah, as you said, <laughs> living on a deserted island, difficult. Yeah, so and I like thematic cooperative games like that. And this so. one's a
0: hard one. I played yeah. it once or twice, and yeah, like we got our butts handed to us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we played through, I think, all of the scenarios in the base game. We 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 got a good rhythm with 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 our group we always only played four players too so i don't know like if player count makes it harder or not but yeah so robinson crusoe was really fun but i
0: haven't read the rules (laughs) (laughs) and that was your number two yeah that's my number two my number two is (laughs) caylus I love this dang game and I want to specify, you know, you said your three was Kanban, not Kanban EV because you haven't played it. My Mm -hmm. number two is Kalis, not Kalis 1303 and I have (laughs) played that and it is not what I am selecting here. I'm not saying Kalis 1303 is bad. I just don't like it as much. I like original (laughs) Kalis. I recently got my very own copy of the first edition with the king on the cover and everything. So I now own it. And yeah. Kalos is an incredibly thematically boring game (laughs) where you're building buildings and collecting resources and trying to build the castle with the resources you collected. And this game is fascinating to me because really there is no luck involved in this game. There's no unknown quantities. There's no deck of cards you're drawing from. There's no randomness. It's all right there in front of you. And you just have to react to what the other players are doing Mm -hmm. and be smart about it. And I'm just enamored with it. I'm not always super great at it. I sometimes make poor decisions, but I really do love it. It's a lot of fun. And I would say if you're like me, and you tend to shy away from the boring themed Euro games, maybe give this one a try. Who knows? You'll, you might like it like I do. So that's my number two, Kalis. It's, it also
1: can be really mean with collusion too, like because there's the moving the provost back and forth to, to deny people the actions on those yes. faces.
0: So that's OK. So here, this is a good point. We should actually talk about this because yes. for years, I had only heard Kalus is so mean. Kalis is mm-hmm. such a mean game. And I'm not saying that those people were mistaken or wrong. Like, moving the provost back to deny people their actions is mean. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not a random thing. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has the opportunity to go to the worker placement spot that allows you to move the provost three spaces for free every round. And like people are taking a risk putting their pieces out. Yes. There, right. So. If you put your pieces near the end of where like where the provost is, you're, all, you're taking a risk. And if you mm-hmm. don't control the provost, it's an even bigger risk. And if mm-hmm. you don't have the money to negate the provost movement, you know, like that's you kind of can set yourself up in that mm-hmm. regard. And so, yes, it can be mean but it's not surprisingly mean which those are the types of games like when somebody has a card in their hand in like a take that game that just like like, oh you don't get to take your turn and you didn't know it was coming that feels really icky in this Mm -hmm. game when somebody when you put all of your workers in front of the provost and somebody moves it back Nobody is like, I'm shocked. It's like, well, that makes sense. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, like I shouldn't have done that or I should have controlled the provost. So Uh if you've heard that it's a mean game and that has kept you away, just know that it isn't as bad as you would think if you're smart about
1: it. Yeah, it's a different type of mean.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's the type of mean that I'm apparently okay with because I don't like meanness in games and I like this one. So yeah,
1: same same with me. Like that's the type of meanness that's that's fine. (laughs) All right. My number one is probably not a surprise, but it's Dungeon Pets, (laughs) 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 which is one of my favorite games. um, And I've mentioned it a lot on the podcast, but in Dungeon Pets, uh, the theme is you are imps running a pet shop of little monsters that you're selling to dungeon lords for their dungeon because they want little monsters and they each want like different types of monsters. It's kind of like a Tamagotchi. (laughs) <laughs> okay because you're taking care of these pets it kind of is that's a, <laughs> that's an apropos
0: comparison
1: so you're trying to like there's a market where you buy different pets you buy cages for them you buy food all those different things and that's where the worker placement happens but then you like want to take care of the pet's needs and the pets have different attributes that get different points depending on which dungeon lords and exhibitions and stuff show up but with the worker placement part it's different because you each have a group of workers and also money that counts When you do the worker placement, instead of doing one worker per spot, you group your workers into groups of one or more worker plus money. This is all done secretly simultaneously. And then like whoever has the biggest group, that group goes first and then the next biggest group. So one person, if they have two really big groups, can go first and second. And then like if someone else has five small groups, they go like third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, like, they just get five turns in a row at the end, so... So they get more actions, but potentially
0: not the actions they were really wanting.
1: Yeah, so, like, it's another one where you balance, like, oh, which actions, so how many actions do I need to do, like, but I need to go first for some of them, because I really want that specific pet, or that specific cage, or, like, that specific action that only has one spot, and so, like, oh, I want to do, I needed to do, like, three actions but then how my, how should I group my imps and stuff so that combination is is really exciting for me so that's dungeon pets my favorite worker placement game
0: my favorite worker placement game my number one is architects of the west kingdom so similar to raiders of the north sea which is from the same company in Architects of the West Kingdom there's a kind of a unique twist on the worker placement mechanism because in Architects there are very few spots on the board that only one player can go to. Most of the spots on the board any number of players or any number of workers can go to those spaces and the number of workers you already have at a particular location will improve what you get to do or collect at that spot. So for instance if you're getting wood when you put one worker down you get one wood. If you put another worker down on another turn, you'll get two wood because you have two workers there. So your actions get better the more workers you have in a spot. But there is a spot on the board where any player can go and then they can round up all of the workers of, I believe, one other player from one or more spots, depending on player count, and put them in jail. And then you have to go to a different worker placement spot to get your peeps out of jail. And there's a thing that will trigger at certain points throughout the game. And if you have the most people in jail, bad things happen to you that can get you negative victory points. So it's interesting because if you keep going to the same spot, kind of similar to Kalis, like you're basically asking for someone to come (laughs) grab your meeples and send them to jail because they're not going to let you Collect five wood, you know, like that's just like I've found generally if you put three workers in a spot, they're going to get rounded up before it gets (laughs) back around to you. Because that's just a lot of resources that you get to collect by placing a single worker going forward. So, again, kind of similar. It's mean But visibly, like you can see it coming, kind of mean you set yourself up for that. And so, differentiating which types of actions you're taking is important. Another thing that's really cool is the virtue track in this game. If you are very virtuous, you might get victory points at the end of the game, but you won't be able to visit the black market because the virtuous (laughs) would never go to the black market. And so, if you are down low on the virtue track, you might actually get some penalties at the end of the game, but it will potentially unlock things like the black market where you can get some really good stuff. So there's a lot of interesting decision making to be had in this one. Every time I play this one it's great and I really do like playing it at the two-player count where the actions change a little bit in the way they work, but I like it at the larger player counts too. I actually have the expan- the first expansion for this game and I have not gotten to play it with the expansion because I got it during the pandemic. So I'm really excited to try it with the expansion at some point, but regardless, I love it. My number one, Architects of the West Kingdom. We would love to hear from you all what your favorite worker placement games are. So please hit us up on social media or our Board Game Geek Guild and let us know what your favorite worker placement games are.
1: And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz! Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. The Game Found campaign for Last Light is ending today. Head to LastLightGame.com now to reserve your copy. And don't forget that Blitzketeers get 20% off non-exclusive items at greyfoxgames.com when you use the code GFGBLITZ2022 at checkout. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord by following the link in the show notes to join us for great discussions and online game nights. You can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast provider. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mouth. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time! Everybody's working in this board game. Everybody wants a meeple there. Bye, everyone. Bye. Kitchen Rush is a very unique worker placement time. Or or worker placement time.